Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti. Welcome to Yogaland. Hi there, Jason. I always want to say something m- more than, hey, thanks. Nice to be back. Oh. <laughs> well, I always I feel like I should have like a, a better quip. Yeah, well, I do too, but yeah. that's just, we're just not exciting like that. I know. We're not that razzle-dazzle. We pretty much get down to business. So why don't we just get down to business? Let's do it. We're going to talk today about slowing down. And this is something that you've talked about a lot. And it's something that's just come up for me lately, both because I enjoy slowing down in my yoga practice so much more than I used to. I I also need to slow down in my yoga practice because my body feels different. And also because I've just been noticing more when I, now that I enjoy slowing down, how hard it is for most yoga students to slow down. Yeah. Can we acknowledge <laughs> something? Sure. Which is, I think... Well, A, I have a really hard time slowing down, mm-hmm. and oftentimes I just don't like to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's a pretty deep and unconscious fear. It's not really like a fear of missing out. It's a fear of losing out. Yep. So for me, especially as I've gotten older, um, there's not a fear of missing out on things. There's a fear of losing out on my uh, physical capacity mm. because it, it kind of decreases or at least changes mm-hmm. in ways. Mm. So I think it's just very easy to buy into the notion that if you work hard and go fast, that things won't change or that you'll, or that you'll, st- or that you'll stay on top of the curve. Yeah. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that, that slowing down, we're going to talk about all the upsides to it. Uh, I want to acknowledge that it's not, it's not always easy. It's pretty no, deeply embedded in. I think that's the whole topic, right? Yeah, I fair think enough. to unpack that even more, it's like if we look more closely at what you just said, which is, you know, that we all have a fear of falling behind. We yeah. all have a fear of losing ground, right? Yeah. And so associated with that fear, if we're like, well, where does that fear come from? That fear comes from, to be super cliche, but it's the easiest way to put it this totally conditioned belief of no pain, no gain. Yeah. You have to work hard to get the best results. And And of course, of course we have to work hard a lot of the time in many different aspects of our lives. But I think, I guess I see it more now that as, as I've gotten older it's it can get in you can get into a pretty one-sided pattern if if you don't acknowledge that that's not the complete picture. So I think we need to talk about like the idea that well it's just like lately all I think about in life is just how much we need to integrate both sides of everything. So it's like acknowledging that slowing down is a good thing isn't saying that going fast and working hard and working at your maximum is a bad thing. Sure. It's just about trying to do both, to actually cultivate both. Um, to be, f- I've said this so many times, I feel like on this podcast, definitely in my trainings, to be for something doesn't mean you're against something else. Right, right, right. right. Um, yeah, so I think what we want to do is we want to help ourselves and others get out of the mindset that 
slowing down in a yoga practice is somehow a, a net loss. Mm-hmm. That that in fact that there are a lot of upsides and mm-hmm. a lot of benefits to the process of slowing down. Some things that we are likely to gain at a slower rate mm-hmm. and a more um, still quality of movement. And again, that isn't to say that there aren't huge upsides to you know quick dynamic movement, but I think. In this discipline, there are some really concrete benefits that we can savor the value of when we slow our body down. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to start? You seem like you're like ready to go. I am for some reason. Okay. Um, I think the first thing that comes up for me is just something technical, okay? Which is, I think about this all the time, and you said no pain, no gain, right? One of the things that I think about is Rodney used to have this, Rodney Yee, my, uh, uh, I would still call my teacher, even though I haven't been in class with him in a, a well over a decade. But he used to say, it's, it's one thing to, to pull, the, pull the bowstring, but you also have to point the arrow, right? And so I think about this all the time, which is hard work in and of itself is not actually necessarily very beneficial, hard work with skillful action is. And it's extremely difficult to move at a higher, quicker rate and maintain quality of skill Mm -hmm. and accuracy and Mm -hmm. technique. And it's something that I see a lot, especially having taught vinyasa yoga for so long in so many different places, is I'm not saying it can't be done, but a lot of times people will go quick actually because they're weak. Because they'll go quick because if you go quicker through transitions, then you can use momentum instead of strength, right? So if you're able to slow things down, especially in transitional movements in yoga, you're probably going to create more strength, but you also are going to have the reflective time to be more technically accurate and specific, mm-hmm. right? And, and just like one more, one more quick thought on this and then some others down after, after you share. Um, which is, I, I always think about this. I think about the cliche of being at a gym and someone lifting a weight that's too heavy for them. And what do they do? They create they create these little distortions, right? Where they're having to use momentum and they're recruiting muscles that actually aren't intended to be used for that particular exercise. And they're using kind of a whole body swing. And, and in that scenario you're not able to actually get the technical specificity that is targeting what you want to target. So the idea of just like going fast through a vinyasa practice or even a hatha practice, we might not actually be technically proficient enough in those movements to gain some of the benefits because in order to get a benefit from a pose, there has to be some accuracy to it yeah right Mm -hmm. yeah um i thought of so many things as you were talking and i keep kind of because i just have so many thoughts about this um keep kind of spinning around and around but i want to say um just on a on a kind of a slightly different note um we have to remember what we why we go to yoga in the first place so so and, and, and people go to yoga for myriad different reasons, right? Some people go, like you started because you had back pain. I started going because I hated going to the gym, but I wanted to move my body. Um, so people go for 
like we both have acknowledged all the time, when you go to asana class and you're a modern person and you have short periods of time to move your body every day, there is an exercise component. Like that's there. But you could just go running on the treadmill right. for 45 minutes. Like right. there's a reason you went into that classroom, into that environment. And so my my guess is that that there's also something else that you're seeking. And so when I'm in a classroom and I like feel the people around me like kind of outpacing the teacher, trying to get her to move more quickly, working super, super hard, um, I kind of just, I want to just, and you know, I tend to not be a complainer on this podcast because I tend to try to, I always in my editorial try to like emphasize the beneficial things, but this is just a pet peeve of mine because in addition to the exercise component, like we're, we're hoping to cultivate qualities, other qualities in our life and hopefully qualities that we can bring with us into our daily lives. So you quoted Rodney, I'm going to quote Aristotle and say the, the Aristotle quote that everyone knows is we, we become what we repeatedly do. So we spend a lot of time in our lives working really hard and and trying really hard and breathing really hard. And this is just like, this is the opportunity to cultivate other qualities of what we want to become. So we all say we want to be less stressed. We all say we want to be more like calm in our relationships and more equanimous and more, and we want to be better listeners and we want to be able to kind of handle stress and all these things. Well, this is the place to practice that. Like this is the place to, um, to when the teacher is moving slowly, like in the first five to 10 minutes of class, this is the place to, in my opinion, get on board with that and just give it a try. And it is hard. And that's kind of the point. Like, when do you go to the gym or go somewhere and, and like, it is a different kind of working hard. So, so that's, that's, that's something to think about too. Like, if you want to work hard and moving slowly is hard for you, that's, that's worth looking at. You know, I used to, even though it's been a long time, for the majority of my teaching career, I always taught at a gym. I mean, I taught in many different places, but I also taught at a gym. Even when I was traveling 40 weekends of the year, I still taught at least one class at a gym. And I used to tell people all the time, because one of the places that I taught for a long time was a place that I directed. It was a huge mind-body center connected in San Francisco to the Bay Club, right? And I used to tell people all the time, hey, I know we're at a gym, and understand this, it was massive, okay? It was 100,000 square feet, okay? It was massive. And the Mind Body Center was also huge. It was about 8,000 square feet. I said 92,000 square feet is dedicated to just working hard and exercising. So this isn't. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> this isn't that. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're not going to strengthen your body and strengthen your body and lengthen and this and that. But if your primary intention is to get an amazing workout, that's probably not done best here mm-hmm. because this isn't the optimal mm-hmm. tool mm-hmm. for this. And I think along the lines of what you're saying, right, you're saying a lot of things. Um, but one of the things I hear <clears throat> is that there's a quality of self-awareness that we develop. They think about this, when you're looking for something, 
you don't speed up and turn the music up, right? You turn the music down and you slow down because you're trying to find something. Mm-hmm. Or I also thought, think about um, rushing. Like I used to be at airports all the time. And if I rushed, if I was late for a plane and I rushed from one place to another place, yeah, I got the job done and that's what I had to do in that moment. But how much did I notice about what was happening at the time? What did I notice about the restaurants or the people or the carpet or the quality of the air? Nothing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a that's a big thing that you're landing on is in this process of developing deeper, maybe even transcendental mindfulness of self, what are you really going to notice when you are rushing through things? It's just, it's just, and, and that, that gets also to the technique, right? Like it's harder to notice nuanced technique, but it's also much harder to notice how is your mind reacting? How is your heart reacting? How do you actually feel in this moment? And so if we're, we, if we are in this um, discipline for some of the root, uh, the the root reasons that this whole tradition exists, um, then we certainly want to be going at some sort of pace where we can truly pay attention to what's unfolding as it's unfolding, not mm-hmm. checking boxes as quickly as we can check those boxes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's interesting. Like I think that we don't real. I think there's like a lack of awareness that the way that we're moving and this is kind of what you're getting to it, it becomes, it's so embedded in our value system. Like we just don't even notice it. And I, and I understand that, right. I understand that people who are rushing the teacher or people who are, you know, like the teacher gives an option and they have to do like the harder thing that the teacher didn't even offer or whatever that, that like, there's not, it's, Nobody's trying to be difficult, but it, it it's a kind of a different value system than I think the teacher is usually asking for. So there's this parable that I'm just going to tell really quickly, and I don't tell parables like this very well, so I'm just going to go through it quickly. But um, it's basically the story of two men running a race, and they start out, and one man just like runs, you know, sprints as fast as he can. Are you sure one wasn't a turtle and the other a rabbit? I don't think so. <laughs> the turtle in the hair. <laughs> the tortoise in the hair. I, yeah. I hope that's not going to be when I get to the end. Of, oh, right. yeah, that was that, that. That's what that was. No, it's so that the one man is running as fast as he can, and he's looking behind him, and the other man's just kind of going slowly, and he's like feeling like, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to win this. I'm going to win. And he's like sweating, and he's sprinting, and his leg hurts, and he's pushing, and he keeps going. And the other man, meanwhile, the whole time is just like, moving through space in this at this like pace that works for him and his breath is deep and his strides are long and his chest is lifted and they get to the end of the race and the man who went faster turns around and says I won I won I won and the other man says okay but I was the most beautiful where did you hear this parable <laughs> why Nike town I've never heard this <laughs> I'm tell you my sources. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Okay. It's a good parable, right? Yeah. So my point in telling this parable, God, he got me embarrassed, um, is simply that it just shows just two different value systems. Yes. Right? Yeah. The yeah, other yeah. the yeah. man who was not running quickly yeah. was just like, and I'm not suggesting that we all 
think about how beautiful we look while we're doing yoga, but I am suggesting... But feel, but feel. But I am how, suggesting, yeah, right? Yeah. That we, how good that you we, feel. Yeah, how good you feel, yeah, for sure. That we just maybe shift the focus a little bit outside of what we're accustomed to. So this brings me exactly to another... Um, I'm not going to give you a parable, but I'm going to tell you one of the things that I've done in pretty much any long-term in-person training I've ever taught, which is I have... Um, on most days, for at least 10 to 20 minutes, people do self-led practice, right? And then and then like uh, that that's often the first 15, 20 minutes of like a long group practice, right? Literally in decades of doing this, no one has ever gone fast. Mm. No one. Yeah. No one does it. We, it. There's something about the tonal quality of a yoga practice where when people are left to their own devices, it's like the dance while no one's wa- like no one's watching. It's like do yoga like no one else is like yeah, watching 100%, around. Hundred yeah. percent, and I can guarantee you, no one starts like busting out the quickest Surya Namaskar A they can ever do. That people is so don't interesting. Do it. That doesn't mean it can't be done or it's wrong or bad. Right. It, what I what what I want to get at is there is a certain pace that in this discipline for most people. Is just really enjoyable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think that oftentimes when we slow down, we can enjoy the experience of the practice like in and of itself. Because I think a lot of times when we're like really cranking through things, it's what we're trying to get. It's what we believe we're trying to get, yeah. even though I think from my experience that that's an erroneous thing. Um <clears throat> Because, well, we've already spoken to yeah. Um, But for the joy of the practice in and of itself, it feels good, mm-hmm. right? It feels actually really good mm-hmm. to not go really fast, to mm-hmm. actually slow down, mm-hmm. right? Not rush through everything. I, yeah. I do want to make a quick acknowledgement, which is kind of beside the point. But, you know, we're, we're coming at this from the kind of mindset of, the inclination to go faster and harder. And in last week's conversation, which people should totally listen to, is more about the stress that teachers feel uh, to make things harder and more intense all the time. But there are communities, big communities of yogis that love slow. Mm-hmm. The yin world oh, loves yeah. slow. Mm-hmm. Restorative world loves slow. There's plenty of hatha stuff that goes slow. There's slow flow. So uh, there's a lot of it. You know what I mean? There actually is a lot of it. Um, but at the same time, I think that there's still the general tidal wave, especially in group classes that are flow based or vinyasa based, um, that are, are, that were, are really oriented towards that, like ratcheting up of intensity and pace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to get back to one thing that you, in the beginning you talked about, um, the idea that it can be it's it's so important when you are cultivating an asana practice to learn to move skillfully and yeah. that involves slowing down at least a little bit right yeah. from and sometimes longer than others when you're in a workshop or whatever to really break things down um and like i guess what i find really interesting and is that oftentimes i will be in a yoga class and you know i'm a 50 year old woman like i'm not the brawniest person in the room, but I have a long-term skillful yoga practice and I know how to use my body and I know how to align my body. 
the just the other day I was I was on either side of me were two young women probably at least 20 years younger than me. One of them was maybe 30 years younger than me. And um they were working hard and kicking up into everything and all of those things and then when it came time to do side plank like for me I could have held it for 20 breaths and it was really a challenge for them. And my point in telling this is just to say that again, you know, we associate making gains and being strong with with working our body in one way and that's not just not always the fastest way to get there. No, it's usually a really bad way to get there. Right. So I'll go back to this this kind of idea about skill, right? So imagine that you are playing the piano and like you're you're newer or you're an average piano player um and you decide today you're gonna like do something really really up tempo something you've just learned up tempo or you are you more or less likely to make a mistake you're way more likely to make a mistake are you more or less likely to get fatigued and make a physical and mental error way more likely so there's there tends to be a incredible inefficiency there's like a there's like a psychological boon, but an actual physical and physiological disadvantage to a certain pace. And this happens, um, I think, in, in all sorts of environments. But I used to think, okay, this is what I should cut out. But I would, I, I, one of the things that I noticed as a yoga teacher in public classes for a long time was that there were a lot of people that were really good at working hard, but very few people that were good at doing hard things. Does that make sense? That's what you're saying with Vashistasana, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So this is really common. It's like, so long as the poses are pretty basic, right? Like boat pose, low boat pose, plank, chaturanga, forearm plank, one arm plank, you know, like warrior one, warrior two, these combinations, like, Especially if you're young and you have certain uh, attributes, like you can do those things. But then when when there you're when it's time to actually do a harder pose, the harder the pose, the less you can do it on raw attribute. The harder the pose, the more you have to do it on a technical understanding of posture and leverage. So this was this was always a, a bit of a challenge for me as a yoga teacher, especially teaching those harder classes was. I actually had a really limited amount of higher level or intermediate postures that I could teach because most people had the strength and the conditioning and the the ability to like work hard. But then when it came down for an actually like harder pose or a more technical pose, it, it oftentimes wasn't it wasn't established. And that's what we got from the, from the Iyengar area, era. And that's what we got from, you know, like every generation looks on a, the next generation is like, oh my God, what's wrong <laughs> with these people, right? So I think from our generation of being a student, there was so much technique and there was actually posturally an emphasis on honing and refinement and building a repertoire of skill. Mm-hmm. And and when you build out that repertoire of skill, you can you can work at more, I don't want to say harder poses, but like more complicated and technically nuanced poses. But you can't do a technically nuanced pose 
just by being strong or flexible, right? Yeah. You just can't. You can't do it on attribute alone. Right. You know, and I, this, I would see this and I'd show it all the time, man. There are so many people that are stronger and more flexible than me that can't do certain arm balances I can do because I just understand their technique more. I understand mm-hmm. the leverage points more. Mm-hmm. I understand the nuances a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and again, you, uh, I don't want it to sound too materialistic, but I again, trying to help people understand the that as a value of slowing down is right. you just get actually more able to use your body. Well, I think that's a good inroad for people, right? Yeah. Because we all kind of want to know like, well, what am I going to get from it? And also because it is hard and it can be boring to totally. at first, especially to slow down. Um, for me now at this point in my life and my practice, it's like wildly interesting to slow down, but, but it wasn't for a really long time. And so I think if we look at, you know, if the top line presentation is by slowing down, you will gain skill by gaining skill, you will actually be able to do the things you would like to do with your body. And and In then if we look at, and if we look at the mechanism of that, it's like the mechanism, is it actually not only teaches them more skillfulness, it teaches them to relate to their body differently in a much more exploratory inquiring way. And that's what we're going for too. Like we're going for taking our ability to attend to ourselves and to our surroundings, taking it from being kind of like the more gross to the more subtle. We're trying to get a more subtle understanding of the body and the and the breath system and the mind and all of those different layers. And the way we do that in asana practice is to work on the technique of asana. Like that's how we, you know, bring the mind inward. So I think it, it all makes sense. It's just like you're saying, it's it's that presenting it to people that way is is helpful yeah. to them. Because we do have to kind of there has to be a hook. Um you said exactly my last point, which is yoga is and always has been at its core a movement from the gross to the subtle, right? And there's more I want to say about that, but there's there's one more. There's like the last two things. That's one of them. But one more for me. And I think, I mean, in a way I've already said this, but I want to, I want to say this in another way, which is oftentimes slowing down helps you do what you're doing more completely. It helps you actually finish the thing. So as a flow yoga teacher, um, one of the challenges that I think that we have in our community is one of the beautiful things about flow is the integrated continuity between breath and movement and between one posture and another posture. Like it's beautiful. It's a great thing, but it has a shadow side to me. Um, And that shadow side is that sometimes it can be a run-on sentence. And so you don't really feel the totality of one pose because you're already going into the next pose and into the next pose, right? So it's very difficult to really like completely flush out one thing and feel the beginning, the middle, the end, the aftertaste, like maybe you would a little bit more in a Nyengar-style discipline. Um, And so I'm just going to give like a tiny example which is Ardha Uttanasana, the halfway lift in a salutation, halfway up. I can almost guarantee, including myself, 
that 99% of practitioners, 99% of the time, don't do that one thing as completely as they can do. Yeah. They don't. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we're moving quickly. Mm-hmm. We're moving with pace. We're trying to get to the next thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And there's just, there is a quality of when you slow down, of completing the emotion, of completing the action, of being thorough, right? Um, and perceiving that thoroughness and that quality of really knowing, like, where is your absolute threshold in this one pose, in this one moment? That's really very rare, but it's also very rare as a parallel in daily life, right? It's so hard to not just be on to the next thing. Yeah, We're having a conversation. I've thought 18 times about what I'm going to have for dinner, <laughs> right? And I'm enjoying myself and I'm mm-hmm. as focused as I get, mm-hmm. but it's very difficult in terms of our internal time scale to just be with what we're doing when we're doing it Mm -hmm. and to do that thing in the most complete and thorough way. And I think there's a beauty in it. I think like if like a true artists or true artisans or people who are like uh, connoisseurs or experts, they're able to do the thing they're doing completely. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that that's something that's very easy to miss out on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I don't know, I would like to leave people with two thoughts of how to kind of cultivate a more slow intention, right? Even if you're not like moving like the glaciers, but just like you said, that you're completing a movement, that you're not rushing the teacher, that you're not feeling like the need to get to the next pose, Um And, but before I get to that, I want to say, I do think, I want to address the age factor um, because we've talked about it a little bit. We've alluded to it, but um, there, I think it is, I don't know, in my experience, and I see this with others as well, it does get easier to slow down as you get older. Um, You know, (laughs) when you think about, right, you don't have a choice. When you think about the Ashtanga system, right, it was designed for all the jumping. It was designed for, I think, teenage boys or even maybe even younger Younger. than that. Um, And so it is just a natural progression of life. And part of me wonders, like, the obvious thing would be like, oh, it's your energy level. But it's not just that. For me, it's that... um, and I, this has not been fun for me lately, but like I feel my body more. I feel my aches and pains mm. more. I feel my limitations and my structure and my boundaries more. Therefore, it's more interesting to move my body sl- more slowly because I can really feel it. Whereas when I was younger, I um, was really flexible and I had more energy and it took a lot of movement for me to feel anything. Yeah. So I do, I want to acknowledge like that's, that's a reality, right? And so there, there just is a reality that it's harder when you're younger, but I do, I think for the reasons that we've outlined, like I still think it's a worthwhile endeavor. And so I think what I would leave people with, and I'm sure you have more to add, but what I would leave people with um, in terms of cultivating this skill of uh, slowing down would be to approach yourself and your practice and your time that you're practicing with a sense of curiosity and a sense of wonder, right? So curiosity is pretty obvious. Like it's, it's so much of what we're doing in the practice. Like 
what's happening when I breathe like this? What's happening when I do this side bend? How does that feel? You know, just literally as simple as that, just asking yourself, like, how does it feel when I turn my palm up versus when I turn my palm down? How does it feel when I turn my head in a twist versus not? Just like that simple, (laughs) one simple inquiry you could take with you through a whole class and just kind of cultivate more presence. And then the other thing is, and again, this is easier for me as I get older, but um, having a sense of wonder about what your own body is doing. It's it's more interesting to me now uh, because I'm less focused on like, quite honestly, I'm less focused on getting my body into like shape, like a certain shape sure. or a certain, because it's like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> The way it well, yeah, to. I mean, if it hasn't happened it's by now. Gonna it's not going to happen, happen, right? Yeah. And also, but even, I even mean like weight-wise. Like I had so much more shame about my body as a younger person, even though I was way skinnier and prettier and all of those external things. Oh, get out of here. Like, <laughs> oh, you get out of here. I love him so much. I'm you get like, out of here. But, you know, now it's like, this is this is really good that I'm doing this for myself right now. And wow, my body is still doing this after all this time. And like, what, like, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. So if you can use that time that you're giving yourself on your mat to be like, you know, give yourself some positive reinforcement by, by cultivating a sense of wonder at what you're doing and what your body is doing for you every day. And, and, and you're, like the amazing power of your breath. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced that this is why people love to study anatomy and teacher trainings, right? Because it gives us this incredible sense of wonder about like, oh my God, all of this stuff is happening in order for me to stand in triangle pose. Yeah. All like you can, you're like peeling back literally the layers of the skin to see what's happening inside. Yeah. That's why we get so excited about it. So if you can like bring that to yourself as you're doing the poses in your everyday practice, it, it can just bring that sense of presence instead of that sense of like rushing. Yeah. I'm really working to not do a shameless plug about anatomy course next year. Oh, you will. I mean, you might as well. No. Um, There's going to be an course anatomy course. course. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> um, yes. All of those things. And the last thing is from a, from a conventional yoga hierarchy in the vast majority of traditions that comprise the, unbelievably big broad tense of what is hatha yoga all these traditions move from the gross to the subtle they all do mm-hmm. whether it's patanjali whether it's the you know the tantrikas whether it's the various sects of the hatha yogis whatever it is there is there is a clear hierarchy that you do obvious things before you do subtle things and that the subtle things are of a greater value, but that the overt and the gross things are necessary preconditions. It's very difficult to pay attention to something subtle and refined if you can't pay attention to something gross and obvious. Mm-hmm. So that this kind of gets us back to age, if you will. Um, and I won't even necessarily say age, but I would say amount of time spent with a process. The newer you are to that process, the harder it is to perceive the nuances, the details, and the subtleties. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn the obvious stuff before you learn the subtle stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that 
one of the great things about moving fast and doing hard yoga and doing challenging things and going to like a sweaty group class for many people um, is that it's, that's very tangible. It's very tactile. It feels, either it feels mortifying, right? Or it feels deeply humbling or it feels like super exciting. But for the most part, it takes, it takes a higher level, it, it takes a higher more nuanced capacity to discern subtlety than it does obvious gross elements. Mm -hmm. So a pitch for slowing down is it's actually more advanced. Absolutely. It's more advanced Mm -hmm. because advanced doesn't mean hard in this context. It means the quality of subtle discernment, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and it's just so, like I said at the very beginning, it's so difficult to perceive subtlety in in like rapidness, mm-hmm. right? So we look at all these traditions and the various asana practices and breathing practices and meditation practices, but asanas and asana and pranayama were always preparatory stages of something was considered in these traditions. For most of them, um, uh, a, a of greater technical. Uh, value, mm-hmm. which is meditation, mm-hmm. and that's very still, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that is that, in a way, is an ultimate conventional uh, argument to be made for slowing a bit down. Yeah. Like, and it's what nice- are we actually trying to do here? Yeah. Again, like you said, there's what ninety two thousand square feet of the gym that you can go and just like, and you and I do that. Like, yeah. it, there's yeah. so much value to that. Yeah, and totally. then there's there's then there's this other room. <laughs> Where you could do this other yeah. thing. And you don't have to be that way. You don't have to be the same way in all situations. I think this is another thing, right? Yeah. This is like, we'll try not to get political, but I think this is like another cultural thing. It's like we have to wear the same hat in all situations. The same like polarized thing. Like I feel one way about everything all the time. Yeah. And you don't. We actually don't. It's a very unhuman thing. And so we don't like the same you doesn't have to show up in spin and in yoga. Mm-hmm. It, you can have both of those yous. Those are both equally valid yous. Mm-hmm. But you don't like don't go to a spin class like you go to a yin class mm-hmm. and don't like try to make one the other. Like have those varied dimensions of who you are and cultivate both. And have the humility to yeah. cultivate both, right? Yeah. It's so much of it is when we get attached to like our um yeah, when we get attached to a particular identity, it it it's like it overrides our ability to just kind of I don't know, to just have some humility about identity where you really are. gets in the way of a lot. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you were being political, by the way. Like because no, I, no, I, don't, no, 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 I think no, you were no. just—it was more of like a cultural analysis, like because I don't want people to think that the years you and I. <laughs> no, it's across. Get the frustrated by yeah. yeah all of the and all kinds of rigidity in all kinds of yeah. spaces. Yeah, no, it's across the spectrum. Like it's it's just I think it's become more and more difficult to not be to not be polarized and back ourselves in a corner. Yeah, about things. Right. Yep. I, I think it's it's difficult. You're allowed to show up. Well, what is? I mean, it's 
It's not Freud. It was Thoreau who said, I contain multitudes, right? <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know, man. You dropped that Aristotle earlier. I'm the one with the philosophy degree. I didn't know that quote. Really? You yeah. become what you, you repeatedly do? I was on a mug that I owned years ago. <laughs> don't make such a big deal about it. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Tell me where the parable came. All right. After. I'll talk to you about the parable after the show. All right, everyone. That's, that's going to be in our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't have a patreon just do a we don't have a patreon um okay i'm gonna put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 283 you actually do have a blog post about slowing down that i will i will put up there and um, i'll find some other goodies for you uh, we have a few more days to register for the sequencing training. You can learn more about that at learn.jasonyoga.com slash sequencing. Actually, you could just go to jasonyoga.com slash sequencing. That'll take you there as well. We'll have a thousand pop-ups. Uh, what? Pop-ups? What are you yeah. talking about? When they go to jasonyoga.com, they'll okay. get like pop-ups. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So anyway, if you'd like to check People that out. People chase you down the street. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right everyone thank you so much for listening um and let us know what you thought you can share with us on social media what you thought of this episode i'm really curious to know um i think you know especially when talking about the age because i think i have a lot of listeners who are in my age range um I'd love to know what you think and uh if you like the episode please do a rating or a review or share it with your friends and uh, take care until next week. Enjoy your practice.